Hi, and welcome to Master's Choice Podcast, Episode 12. My co-host today was Lynn Crabtree, owner of Master's Choice. We also had a call-in guest, Brendan Blanc, one of our elite dealers from Wisconsin. We talked about milk markets, and we talked about productivity on the farm and and some aspects and some points that we could look at to help uh, increase efficiencies. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and uh, welcome to uh, Master's Choice Podcast, episode 12. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you are finding these podcasts uh, not only informative, but, you know, somewhat entertaining and glad that you've uh, decided to join us and, and listen through. Today uh, in studio, my co-host is Lynn Crabtree. Morning, Mark. Good morning. Owner, chief cook and bottle washer, you know, everything. Uh, in fact, yesterday we were out in the field together. Uh, I was helping Cullen plant. And then uh, and you were you were out actually spraying some some herbicide down, weren't you? I was, yeah, sure was. And a and, uh, uh, little windier than I wanted, but I think we did all right. I, I think we did all right. About <laughs> about noon, we kind of we kind of you know you kind of shut her down. And well, you kind of shut down at noon. I sprayed all the rest of the afternoon. Well, hey, listen, it was we had we had two more boxes of seed to plant, three more boxes of seed to plant. It was it was eleven forty five. I was like, you know. Why, why start on another box and miss that 12 o'clock lunch, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. No, so, so you know, that is one of the things about working with Master's Choice that I really enjoy is not only do I get to travel all over the place and, and talk, but, uh, but I also get to, you know, with nutrition research and work with Cullen, but I get, I get to be in the office with the boss I'm almost every day that I'm in the office. So, and, uh, and, and then in the field sometimes too. So it's, it's an awesome environment to work in. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, I, I don't know, to me, you know, it's a credit to our staff and to the people that make up Master's Choice that, yes, we've got people that can be, uh, that could be on equipment and do all those things, and, and you wouldn't have to be out there planting. I wouldn't have to be out there spraying, uh, but we want to be, yes, and we want to be yes. connected with everything that's going on, and we want to be a part of everything that's going on, and we want that firsthand knowledge of, of how production's being uh, uh, being fulfilled and, and how R&D is, is being developed, you know, and, and, uh, and all those things. So it's, it's very much a credit to uh, to the staff of people that uh, that we've got that uh, that they're so engaged in that manner because we had a we had a business manager we had sales manager yeah. we had R and D director yeah. and and head plant breeder yeah. you know on, and one on one planting block at the same time you absolutely. know out there yeah absolutely and, you know and and like I said we didn't all have to be there but but we got to be there and um and got, and just kind of got to see how that all worked and, yeah and and do it and and you know you you and I I think we're we're enough alike that uh, any hour on the tractor spent is never a bad hour. I hear that. It's <laughs> never a bad hour. So, you know, w- one of the things for, for us, uh, Lynn, is uh, is that we are we are a, a company focused on livestock nutrition and, and a lot in the dairy industry. Yes. A lot of the corn that, that we have uh, is, is sold probably 90-something percent is, um, is sold for, for silage or high-moisture corn, something along those lines that's going to go into dairy feed. And so, so you and I, we're, we're pretty steeped in, in, in that idea and, and love that and love being able to work with Cullen to be able to breed and select hybrids uh, for, for that end, for that end use, and, and looking, looking for other other avenues and options. So one of the things I, I was listening um, to a radio program this week, and one of the things that I found interesting is they, and I don't remember all of the numbers completely, but it was something like this, okay? 
uh, over the past, oh, 50, 60 years, milk consumption per person in the United States has almost gone in half. And I think it was, if you look back in the 40s and 50s, uh, milk uh, consumption per person was somewhere around 30 gallons uh, per person a year. And now we're down to about 18 gallons per person a year. And, and they were really kind of talking about some of those reasons. And it was really, it was really kind of an, an, an interesting thing for me uh, to, to just listen to that. And, um, and so, so basically their, their point was, you know, there are so many other options of things to drink. You know, we're, we're not the oldest tools in the shed, you and I, right. <laughs> but, but well, you're not, <laughs> I'm not, you know, but, but we, we are, we, you know, they kind of lump us in the same canoe here, here, here. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you were a kid, what, what kind of drinks did you have in the refrigerator? I mean, what, what was there to drink? No, there was, there was three, there was three choices. You drank water out of the tap or you had milk or orange juice, Yeah, you know, and, uh, uh, you didn't have all the energy drinks. You didn't have all of the sodas. You didn't have all of the. I mean, walk 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 into the Quick Mart store. You know the Seven Eleven, and and, yeah. and 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 the walls are lined with coolers uh, with drink options. Exactly, exactly. You know, I can I can remember sitting down at the at the dinner table, and Mom said, you know, you want you want milk, water, or tea. You know, tea. Yeah, tea. iced tea. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. You know, and then and then for breakfast it was milk, milk water, or, or or orange juice. Yeah, and um. You know, but now kind of milk has become kind of that breakfast drink more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there there was a time I so so granddaddy he'd sit down at night and he'd get a big old glass of buttermilk before he went to bed. I, you know, I don't know anybody that that really drinks. By the way, I I'm not a fan of buttermilk myself. You know, uh, except when it's in biscuits. But um, <laughs> but you know. You know, you said we. You know, there are a lot of people that would drink milk for breakfast and lunch, and 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 even for supper, and even even after that. Uh, and now it's kind of become just the you know the the breakfast thing. And so so it was interesting um, that that milk consumption per person was down. But when we look at when we look at overall milk production, okay, when we look at overall milk production in the U.S., we we are still increasing that production year year to year. All right. And, and one of the interesting things is, is over the, but, but it's starting to slow down. Okay. That, that milk production is starting to slow down, but have you noticed that cow numbers are up? Yes. Um, it kind of, a you know, the, the whole thing with, with milk price has always been difficult for me to follow. And, and, and it's been, you know, it's been somewhat political. And when you, when you, when you include all the factors, all of the export you know segments when you when you look at the, how segmented the milk industry is and 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 what's hot what's not you know i mean um some of the moms are are concerned about high fat or milk co- or calorie content yeah. in the milk and yeah. so you know uh we're 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 skim milk or 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 water or what you know is, is the staple of of what we're putting on the table today uh you know the the pizza craze is is tapered a little bit you know where we where cheese prices is probably fairly stagnant right now yeah. uh exports are are a mixed bag probably up a little bit um, but but you're right. Um, milk production has slowed, even though it's up. Milk production has slowed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but milk per cow is down. So uh, interesting listening to analysts uh, describe what they are seeing there. And then of course we've been all around the country and we're seeing a lot of things. And so can't speak for what all of the analysts' um, uh, opinions are, but I guess it could speak a little bit to what we have seen. Right. Right. So what what are some of the things that you've seen that would so 
so one of the things that's, that's really kind of interesting to me is that there seems to be like a shuffling of cows, right? Cow numbers. You know, we talk about cow numbers are up by, uh, by several thousand, you know, across the United States, but, but they're, they're down in some places. I think one of the, one of the places they're most down is California, mm-hmm. and, but yet those cows aren't, are, are going, they've got to be going somewhere else and, and, and also gaining. And, and I think, I think what we've seen in California is an, is a saturation of 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 that of of the land base there. I think there's I think there there's you know there's you know they've definitely had water problems. There's all kind there's lots of regulation, and so a lot of times those guys are just hey there's there's easier places to to go dairy. Sure. And, and so and so they do. One of the other interesting things that I've seen um, traveling around is 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 consolidation for 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 lack of a better word. That that some of the bigger dairies are, are kind of absorbing uh, the the smaller dairies and and dairy dairy herd size is getting larger. Yeah, and uh, and so and so you know, whereas we may say you know somebody has eighty thousand cows, but he doesn't have eighty thousand cows in one in one location. Right, multiple farms. M- multiple farms, although they may be kind of in the same region, but but it's kind of so- hard to put the land base together for you know for for uh, a 3000 cow herd. Absolutely. Yeah, cuz you know, I mean, you know, what are we thinking if we if I've got 3 to 5000 cows, how many acres of, of ground do I have to have, you know, just kind of roughly to be able to feed that? Yeah, well, more than that, more acres than than cows. So I mean, you know, we're looking at 10,000 acres or better. Uh, e- even when we're bringing in a lot of the feedstuffs from off the farm. So, you know, that, that's a pretty big pretty big land base uh, to be able to uh, you know, we think about that as, as owning, but it's probably just more managing or controlling. You know, um, uh, some cooperators uh, right. are, are doing some work for us, but uh, difficult to manage. It, it would be. It would be difficult to manage. And so, you know, as California's dropping, there's other places that are growing. Uh, one of the one of the other places, a couple of the places are kind of the Southwest, Texas, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. They're growing uh, in in cow numbers. Of course, Texas and New Mexico kind of had that die off. Uh, with the with a major um, oh it was a freeze it was a big blizzard that came through and and so their their numbers are, are kind of uh, kind of fluctuating that way but but as you know as a whole we're we're all up in 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 numbers now you know we could do a lot of speculation and a lot of ideas um, but why why do I wonder I wonder why wonder why this is just kind of one of those things wonder why milk production is slowing you know, in, in the, in the U S well, you've got, you've got the, maybe, maybe it's obvious because a lot of people are talking about it, but you had here in Southern Illinois, we had a mild winter, Yeah. Uh, but there was a, there was a tough winter in a lot of the Northwest, you know, and, and weather had to affect, uh, milk production in those areas. And of course people are talking about that. Uh, one of the things that I've seen is that, is that, is that there's been more of a of a shift over the last few years to look at feeding efficiency, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we used to, and, and we still have a lot of nutritionists. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not saying what's right or wrong here because there's there's right and wrong it may look different for any individual farm sure. or group of cows or or a nutritionist. But used to be the higher that we could, I mean, everything was about highest peak milk production. Right. The higher we could get milk to peak, the longer we could hold the, the lactation curve, the more milk we'd make, the more money we'd make. Right. And we begin to look over the last few years, I think, at feeding efficiency where uh, we're looking at what does it cost to 
to produce that to produce that hundred weight of milk and and uh, we have we have gone away from heavier grain feeding and been reliant more on on um, uh, new forages yeah. and 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 producing forage uh, that that made milk and increasing that forage uh, to grain ratio in our diets um, maybe and perhaps to the detriment of of a little bit of peak efficiency in terms of milk production, yeah. but not necessarily uh, in terms of cost of, of production. So yeah. I, I think one of the most interesting phrases that I ever heard uh, talking about, you know, being efficient was, you know, you can either you you to to be more more profitable on a farm, you can either try to uh, create more production, or or better. Um, better productivity. So, 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 you know, production would be the overall volume, right? I can, I can try to make more milk. If I get more milk, then I get more dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I don't, if I don't become, um, productive in that. Okay. So if I don't become efficient in that, then, then I'm actually, I may be getting a bigger check at the end of the day, but I'm not, I'm not making as much profit. Okay. So maybe, maybe it should be production over profitability. And we've really got to be able to look at, at at profitability and say how how efficiently can I do this? Can I can I feed less and get the same amount of production? Can I feed a little more and, and make sure that I'm getting greater production? And and then I see a lot of guys also chasing um, components a lot. Yeah. And, and and so and so trying trying to make up for some of that. And, and we know that there's a you know that there's a kind of a correlation there. If I if I increase if I increase components, I I would like to increase overall flu, you know fluid volume but a lot of times that doesn't that doesn't happen sure i think that if we had our director of finance alex feller in yep. here today he would tell us that the best way to create profit and create margin is to generate more profit generate more sales generate more income and 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 i, under, I understand that completely yeah. but i think a lot of our a lot of our producers you know, have looked at milk price, right. and and when milk prices is, is twenty twenty two dollars, or if milk price is fifteen sixteen dollars, it's psychologically got a, a, a big impact on how we're going to go about purchased inputs, and and so I think that we have, I think that there's been a uh, there, there's been a an inclination on a lot of producers to to feed more forage, a little more efficiency, a little less. Uh, purchased inputs and and uh, try to uh, try to create more more dollars in terms of feeding efficiency rather than just peak milk. Yeah, I, and I and I would completely agree. I would completely agree with that. I think sometimes we we uh, we too much try to chase uh, you know a bigger check at the end of the day and and not kind of cut back spending. I mean, you know, if I can if I can cut back spending, I, I will still end up with more money in the bank. Uh, then, then if I, you know, if you would write me a bigger check uh, next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, <clears throat> but so, so I think it, I think that is an interesting per perspective. So we're seeing we're seeing cow numbers somewhat up, but we're still seeing a little bit. Not that we're not seeing milk production up, but we're seeing a slowdown in in milk production. And so, you know, here here's so so here's here's some things that I that I was thinking through this, Lynn. If if you could just you know, what what would be what would be the the top three or or maybe even five, 
okay? Top three things to increase, um, you know, increase production or, or maybe even profitability on a dairy farm. What, what would you, what would you say? So if a guy, if a guy called you in, you, you used to be a dairy consultant, uh, guy called you in and said, look, I, I, I need, I need some help making more money. What would be some of the first things that you would look at? One of the, the, by far, okay. um, when, when I was, uh, when I was a dairy consultant on farm, by far the, the main culprit to profitability was, was coal rate. Okay. Um, and, and, and my Southern Illinois speech gets confused. Our coal, C-U-L, coal, <laughs> It's, yeah, it does coal coal yeah. rate, uh, and and I'm not sure that that is as big a deal as it used to be, because in those days, and and I'm talking about you know 30 years ago, uh, we were feeding a lot of grain, a lot right. of corn going into cow diets. We had uh, you know we had starch levels uh, in the diet that were that that would uh, approach and exceed 30 percent. You know, today it's it's not as big a deal. You know, guys are telling me that they're feeding a lot of cows in that twenty to twenty four percent starch range. Yep, yep. So we've got a lot more forages going into the diet, uh, a lot more effective fiber going into cows, a lot healthier cow. And so cull rate is probably not as big a deal. But back then, when when we had twenty five percent heifers in the herd, that was well managed. Uh, but average average in those days was was fifty to sixty percent heifers in a herd. Now wow. you figure that out. You know, I mean, uh, somebody's got to be raising heifers for replacements because I couldn't raise all the heifers on my farm right. and put them back in the herd fast enough for that. So that was always the biggest thing. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm not absolutely sure uh, uh, where we're at today overall, right. but I do know that if if a farm has a high cull rate, that it's a it's a it's a very very difficult thing to overcome, and it's going to affect your profitability in in deeply. Um, so that that would be that would be my number one. So am, am I am I thinking right on this? A, a cow doesn't really become profitable until one and a half or two lactations. Well, it used to be more than that, but okay. it, you maybe you may be you may be right because I haven't I, I, don't, I haven't kept up with the numbers. But yeah, you've got a you you know you're 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 producing her and and she's in her. Um, and her average life is was was a little over two years or two lactations yeah, there, yeah. and you were barely you were you were barely breaking even on her. Yeah. So yeah. So that makes it so so coal rates would be one area for a guy to look at. What what would you know? What would another area be? Coal rate mark is the is the thing that we generally always looked at first, but there's several reasons you had to discover the culprit uh, for the coal rate, and uh, and a lot of the things that we were you know, that we were finding with that as we begin to sort through this and looking at ways that we can be more efficient with the, uh, with the dairy was that we weren't looking at, at, uh, the other areas of herd management. Okay. Um, you know, we were concerned about trying to, to bring in a nutritionist that would help us, uh, balance, you know, um, uh, the lactation, uh, you know, our lactating cows, but we were not paying enough attention to heifers. We were not paying attention to our dry cow periods. Uh, for example, I mean, you know, um, uh, that heifer, you know, she needs to be bred on time. Mm -hmm. She needs not be gaining too much weight. She needs to be gaining enough weight so that she can adequately develop the frame under her that she's yep. going to need to be able to be a, a maximum producing cow, you know, not a squat, 
fatty cow, yeah. not a you know a, a a thin cow at freshening, and so we needed to be looking at 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 balancing those things. And at every step during that two year period of developing a heifer, you know, we needed to be controlling her her dietary gains, and we needed to manage that. And and the feed stuffs that we were feeding heifers was the leftover stuff from the yeah. from the lactating. Yeah, herd. yeah. How, how many times have you heard? Oh, well, that's just that's just heifer feed. Yeah. Meaning that's the lowest quality stuff we have, and that's just junk. Exactly. So that heifer may have been may have been gaining a half or three quarters of a pound a day when she was on the on the trash, and then right. we put her out on some on some fresh pasture in the spring. She's gaining three to four pounds a day. Yeah. You know, and and I guess it said all averages out. But what did Tom Kilser say? Your your head in the oven and your and your feet in the deep freeze, and it all averages out. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. not not so. No, uh, in terms of uh, of way we were developing our. Our heifers, and it's too big of a deal, you know, in, in terms of a cow, and creates too heavily for a uh, for a coal rate. It is, uh, it is, and uh, so Mike Van Amberg did some work, uh, probably several years ago now, where he where he looked at, you know, uh, feeding heifers uh, high quality and low quality diets, even even starters, even even uh, calf starters. You bet. And 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 even way back, you know, in the first few weeks of life, and how much different that difference that made in the first lactation. Yep. And and that could really be the difference between being profitable or not profitable if that cow if that heifer is making enough, uh, you know, her, even her first lactation to to start to catch up for that um, economic deficiency that that she's always going to have because you're feeding her for two years before she ever really goes into any kind of lactation or any production mode. Uh, Dave Casper did an interesting study at South Dakota State University when he was there, and he was looking at absorption. Yeah. You know, and 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 while they all they did was change the grain yeah. in the starter diets and the absorption of those of those calf starters was incredibly different and got those calves off to so much of a better start, you know. So yep. those are the things that I'm talking about in terms of herd management where we're looking at heifer development, okay. managing that, keeping it just as as fine-tuned as we would our lactating diets and then look at dry cows. I mean, we can really okay. screw them up in the dry cow period yep. and we can create all kinds of metabolic issues and we have sick cows when they freshen and and we get a, cow, a lot of cows that drop out during that period of time. So, you know, herd management is a, is a huge huge issue. And paying attention to the whole picture, not just those, the, not just the milking string, yep. you know. But yep. we got to pay attention to uh, how we're de- how we're bringing those cows on, how we're developing during the dry period, timely breeding, all those kind of things to to keep that uh, keep that machine functioning at a high level. No doubt. Uh, so uh, herd management, I think, is is probably the second thing that I'd mention. Okay. So we got coal rates. Yes. We got herd management. Yes. So what's the third? Well, another thing that can kind of contribute to some of that coal rate thing, but it, but is a but is a but is a big issue is is uh is facility management okay. um you know we we've notoriously um over the years um mismanaged some of our facilities uh today i think we've got we've got we're doing a much better job of that i think a lot of our consultants now are much better prepared in to making recommendations for for uh for bunk management for our loafing spaces mm-hmm. you know for uh, for for the kinds of things that are going to create ultimate cow comfort, right? You know, so that we've got we got cows that are really feeling good and 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 are and are um, fed well and 
uh, coming in and, and, and really doing their thing for us. Definitely. Cause you know, we, we know we overcrowd, they, you know, the, the dominant cows push out the less dominant cows, the, the less dominant cows don't get to eat as much dry matter intake goes down cow comfort. You know, if they're not getting enough loafing time and, and resting time, they, they don't feel good. They're not at their peak. They're, they're not going to have peak production. I, one of the interesting things that just kind of sparked in my mind, uh, you know, we're talking about facilities and sometimes we think about, you know, those, you know, bunk space and not overcrowding. <laughs> uh, there was a, a facility um, that I, I I won't mention all, all, I won't mention where it is, but anyway, there was a facility that its cows should have been producing more and they couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. And there was somebody there trying to, trying to help and say, look, there's, there's a problem here. Um, and then nobody would listen. Nobody listened. Uh, after he left, they went in and looked and they had some stray voltage in, yep. in their, in their barn. And, uh, and so some of the wiring was all messed up, stray voltage, and they got some of that fixed. Cow production went back up, or milk production went back up. And so sometimes it's just those, those unseen kind of things that we just really need to be paying attention through. How, how are all of these things working in, in our facility? So uh, coal rate, um, herd management, facility management, uh, especially focusing on cow comfort, uh, in anything else? Well, let's let's just not forget and, and kind of close with this with with feed management. Okay, um, you know, starts starts in the field. You know, we've got to have it. We've got to have a, a, a cropping plan. Uh, we've got to understand where it's coming from. Okay, you know, some of the best farms that I always worked with were two brothers. Right, and one was a cow guy, and and one was a crop guy. Right, you know, right. and they knew their place, and they didn't, uh, and they didn't, and they didn't interfere with each other's field of expertise. Uh, but you need you need that uh, you need that uh, that that cropping plan. It, it starts there and follows all the way through to uh, to facility management. You know, where we're where we're uh, adequately protecting the investment that we've got in the, in the forages that we've right. grown or purchased or the commodities that we've purchased, you know, that we've got uh, top quality feeds that are going into the, into the, into the, into the TMR at the end of the day. Yep. And so uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, an elongated process that we need to make sure that we're crossing our, our, our T's and dotting our I's uh, all along the way, whether we are on land that we own and we are managing our crops and timely harvesting of those crops and, and uh, and proper rotations on the land, or whether we are, whether that's uh, contracted feedstuffs that we're that we're having grown for us and purchased, we need to be involved with that process and and, and a little more uh, invested there, so that we've got nothing but top quality feed at the time that it gets to the cow. Yes, uh, and and so I think you know one of the things that the guys sometimes forget is, you know. If I've got healthy soils, I'm going to have healthier plants. Healthier plants are going to be, are are, are going to have more nutrient value to them. Sure. And um, and so sometimes they just forget about that and 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 looking at yield and only yield, whereas we've got to be looking at quality of that. But what about inventories? What about what about inventory of that corn silage? You know, there's a lot of guys that have a year, two years worth of inventory. Well, that's money that's sitting there not doing anything. Exactly right. And, you know, we were, a, a lot of the studies were saying that we wanted our corn silage to ferment for a year before we fed them. Uh, you know, I think that you and I would agree that uh, probably eight or nine months in fermentation is going to, is going to cause that corn silage to peak. It's getting pretty darn good after six or seven months, right. but eight or nine, it's uh, the, 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 uh, the grain, the yes. starch, not the fiber. Right, right. Fiber is going to stay the same. You, what you put in the bunk is, is going to be what you get out of the bunk, you know, 
however long. You're not going to make it better in fermentation. No, no. If you mismanage the harvest date yep. uh, for whatever reason, you know, and that and it got too mature and you're losing fiber digestibility, it isn't going to get any better during fermentation. But the but the grain will, the starch will. Yes. And uh, so during fermentation, we feel like that, you know, we've got to have two years corn, corn silage supply on hands to be able to manage the digestibility of that starch. And uh, that's a huge drain on our cash flow. It is. It is. And it, when we're talking about farm efficiency, I mean, that's a big deal. Those are. Uh, no no doubt. Well, uh, so, Lynn, we're going to... Um, we're going to have a, a guest. He won't be in studio. Brendan Blanc, one of our sure. elite dealers, is going to call in, kind of talk about milk markets in his area. He's in southeast uh, Wisconsin. Uh, going to be talking about some of the things going on there that he's seeing uh, with milk production and and just kind of milk prices there. And so we'll get him on the line. Brendan, thanks for joining yep. us today. We appreciate you uh, calling in. Uh, so just kind of tell us you're, you're uh, one of our elite dealers and you are in southeast Wisconsin. Kind of tell us what's going on in Wisconsin today. Uh, today, everybody's looking at the weather radar, hoping it doesn't rain again so they can get a little bit more seed in the ground. Right. Um, there's been an awful lot of that going on this spring. Um, not, not seed in the ground, watching the radar and watching the rain. <laughs> been there, done that. Uh -huh. We we absolutely understand that. I you know So I was up there last week, uh, and uh, really – Really, I was kind of surprised at how much corn was kind of in the ground, and we, uh, a lot of guys working dirt. Yeah, we, we had a good stretch here, um, but it's it was a late stretch, and basically just, yeah, kind of last week is when things kind of started, but mostly that if you're doing any kind of deep tillage, but yeah, that was tough because you're pulling up a lot of moisture, but to get the top couple inches dry, that was doable. No but, doubt. No doubt. Hey, so uh, Lynn, Lynn is in studio with us today, uh, Brendan, and um, we've been kind of talking about milk production. We've been talking about uh, productivity and efficiencies and, and some of those things. Kind of, kind of tell us what you're seeing as far as uh, milk production in your area, or and and just kind of the milk market and how those things are going there. Well, the milk. Milk production, milk market has been kind of a hot topic in the neighborhood here as of late. Um, you guys probably heard the grassland dairy situation all uh, beginning the first, all back in, in April. There were about 75 farms kind of in the area that got a letter saying as of the 1st of May, we're not going to be taking your milk anymore. And you got to find someplace else to take your milk. So that was a shock to a lot of people's livelihoods. No doubt. And uh, then when it came time to try and find somebody else to take your milk, that was another shock because everybody is basically at all the milk plants are at maximum capacity. And uh, that was a struggle. Um, did did most, you have, did you have any guys directly uh, uh, affected by that? I had probably about a half dozen farms that were impacted by that. Um, a lot of them were, yeah, I mean, kind of sitting basically saying, um, I don't know if I'm going to plant silage corn. I don't know if I'm going to have alfalfa. I don't know if there's going to be cows here. And so we kind of sat on a lot of stuff orders and just kind of waited and see what's going to happen. Um, most of them got pretty much all the farms. There are a few farms that didn't get picked up. Um, a lot of them got picked up very, very last minute. Um, kind of with like right at the end of April, there were some guys that were calling their herds, getting rid of some of the bottom end cows thinking, I mean, partly thinking, well, if all of a sudden there's thousands of cows on the, on the market even cull cows are going to be worthless so there was some calling that went on that way um 
couple herds I know did sell out earlier in the month basically because they found another some other dairies that they could raise heifers for so they had another source they thought well I better take advantage of that right away but uh yeah it was a it was a struggle and it didn't matter how big the farm was um pretty much everybody in everybody within this in the region um basically like they kind of drew a perimeter and said everybody in this area is getting cut off wow um Um, the farms that did get picked up like two questions there uh the farms that did get picked up are they getting uh are they getting good milk prices or did they cut milk prices and then what was was there a was there kind of like a reason why oh this one got picked up before this one yeah um depending on the milk plant that picked them up um varied a little bit on prices um some of the ones that were that a new appreciation got put on milk quality okay. during this because the farms that, that had good components, low cell count, um, high quality milk were easier to pick up. There, there was more of a demand for that, for some of the specialty cheese markets and that type of stuff. Sure. Um, so those are the ones that got picked up the, the fastest. Okay. And so really put a big value that basically, I think, put a new appreciation for everybody on how important milk quality is. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is very important. I mean, that's kind of what the whole industry, no matter what you're producing, quality is a big, big topic sure. in, for consumers and everybody right now. Yeah. Um, but milk price, um, some of them are getting a little bit lower price um, that they're actually, I mean, we talk about milk quality being a, a valuable thing but yet some of these farms that got picked up they're getting they're not they're now some of the ones that didn't have the really good quality um are getting are not getting premiums for the quality that they have with some of these pickups and basically they've got a six-month contract with the milk plant that picked them up saying all right we'll carry you over for six months if you can find somebody else to take you in six months um wow. great um so it's not even a completely I mean, it allows these farms to keep going, but there's still a little bit of little bit of uncertainty there. I think by the time six months comes around, things will be kind of sorted out. Um, I know there's some milk plants, processing plants getting built that'll be up and running. That'll support a little bit more capacity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a struggle. And I mean, guys are looking at things differently. Um, I mean, some of them are like, well, I I don't need to produce more milk. I just need to produce it as cheap as possible. And because if they don't want more milk, but it's still, I mean, you're to be the most profitable. You want to produce as much milk per cow. If you can do it, you can produce the same amount of milk with fewer cows. It's going to be more profitable too. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot, lot of, lot of sweat and turmoil. No doubt. No doubt. So, so just a kind of a loaded question, Brendan, some of the farms that you're dealing with, um, you know, maybe some of those higher quality uh, milk producing farms. What what are some of the uh, what are what are some of the uh, reasons why they were higher uh, higher quality milk? Higher quality milk most often comes down to management and attention to detail. Um, I mean, just the somatic cell kind of in particular. I mean, it's having clean cows, having comfortable cows, not overcrowding, um, good milking procedures, that, that type of stuff, the stuff that takes a little bit extra time every day. Um, but, but just shows up in a, just a healthier, 
Yeah, healthier, healthier cow. Yeah, healthier herd, healthier cow. Health, health, healthier, happier cow. Yeah, and and, uh, and better clean and, clean and and better quality milk. Yeah. Hi, yep. Brand. Hi, Brandon. This is Lynn. How's Katie and the girls? Doing good. Good. Hey, very good. You, without knowing it, you just uh, echoed uh, uh, the, the things that Mark and I've been talking about when we're looking at uh, herd efficiency and and uh, some of the things that uh, we can do to uh, to be more profitable on the farm. So uh, that was that was pretty interesting. You just uh, uh, talking about cell count, that being uh, the somatic cell being kind of the indicator of of the other things that we've already done to make the herd more more efficient and effective. Well, yeah, good, yeah. So good you, you nailed it. You nailed it. You're hey. This means that you're as smart as Lynn and I. Almost. Oh. Congratulations. Almost. Yeah. Good. Good for you, right? <laughs> Great. D- 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 does my gold pin come in the mail or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a sticker, maybe? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah it's in the mail. It's buddy. in the mail for sure. Right. It's in the mail for sure. <laughs> so, uh, so Brennan, we appreciate you calling in. We appreciate you sharing your information. Any, anything else that that you want to kind of kind of wrap up there with? Any other observations that you've seen? Uh, in your area that maybe you want to finish up with as we, uh, as we conclude the call? Well, I think, I mean, without getting too terribly off the topic, um, but I mean, one thing I, I kind of keep stressing with people, I mean, with, I mean, we, we're talking cow, cows and cow comfort and stuff here and how a healthy environment produces a healthier cow. Um, I've been kind of trying to echo that with people with their planting stuff too. And, yeah. uh, Good relating to soil conditions and a healthy soil good soil condition produces a a healthier plant and just being patient with the rain we're having not trying to mud stuff in and just say oh i got to get this in because the calendar says so and um just waiting for just like the cows produce better when they're comfortable and in a good environment um so does all the crops you're growing and so kind of trying to do some parallels there and just help guys telling them be, be patient and uh, try and do things the way you know is the right way to do it instead of just doing it to get it done. Good deal. Good deal. So, there there you go again, echoing some other thoughts that we had uh, earlier without you even knowing it. So they're just proving once again, you're just as smart as we are. <laughs> Our listeners are going to think that we will have colluded on this before we spoke, and we absolutely did, we did not. not. We did not. Absolutely. absolutely. Hey, Brennan, thanks for, thanks for calling in. We really appreciate you calling in we appreciate you uh for what you do for master's choice and in your knowledge bud so uh you sure. you and the family take care and uh we'll probably see you soon sometime thanks brendan all right bye Thank brendan all right. yeah. bye so led what what an interesting call with with brendan i mean just just Folk, kept... folks are going to think that we would already prepped him you know that uh uh, uh, because of the way that he kind of echoed the sentiments and the things that we had talked about, but uh, I guess we're all singing off the same song. I guess, I guess we really are, you know. And and really, what we told him was, hey, talk about what you're seeing in milk production in your area, and talk about milk markets. That's that was kind of what we told him to do, and he just he just nailed those things. And and so um, so really really appreciate that. Uh, as we as we wrap this up, as we finish up, and anything else that you think uh, our listeners need to know. Uh, you know, just some some kind of final thought that you've got. I think that it just reiterates that, you know, the, uh, what what our what our producers have been kind of looking at here for the last period of time. Milk price is hard. You 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 tighten that belt and you and you look at uh, any measure of efficiency that you can come up with. Different folks are looking at it in different ways. You know, you'd be you'd be very grateful that you've got a. That you've got somebody that's uh, that you're providing milk for, you know, instead of finding out here, you know, first of May we're not picking your milk Ooh. up, you know, that'd be kind of tough. That would but, be tough. Um, a lot of the things that we can control, uh, we need to be 
we need to be at them, and uh, uh, folks know that, yep. and they're doing a good job with there. it. Hey, we thank you for uh, joining us today uh, for uh, MC Podcast Episode 12. I want to thank uh, Lynn and Brendan for, for being in the studio, or Brendan for calling in. So as always, you can uh, you can find us on, on YouTube. Our, our website is seedcorn.com. You can look us up. Uh, you can find us at uh, uh, on Instagram and uh, so we uh, we uh, Facebook. So we appreciate you guys and uh, thanks for tuning in today.